Good evening and welcome, everyone. Hey, Evan, how's it going? We're back for another week, brother. It's going great for me. Uh, wish my, my little guy was a little bit healthier right now. He's dealing with the cold, but that's been fun. New fatherhood. <laughs> oh, poor little dummy guy. He's doing, he's doing all right. Yeah, he's doing okay. Just a little stuffed up. But uh, yeah, wrestling news. There's a, there's a lot to talk about, both wrestling and EFED related. Uh, I'm excited to dive in. I don't know about you. I don't. I don't know if ex- excited is the right word for the biggest story of the day. Uh, do you mind? You mind if I break this one? Uh, you can break it since I'm normally the one that does that. <laughs> all right. All right. Yeah. Um, breaking earlier today, biggest story in wrestling: Ring of Honor has released each and every person under contract they will be closing their doors potentially opening back up in 2022 wow uh yeah this is a sad day for wrestling as a whole a sad day potentially a, a door opening day with all the contracts coming to an end that's a lot of guys for impact AEW, WWE, all swallow up. Uh, I think New Japan and MLW will swallow up a couple of those guys as well. Um, so basically the story broke a few hours ago. Uh, Brian, you and I have kind of talked about it in private, but uh, we we have some friends that are actually on the rosters there, and it's just it's disheartening mm-hmm. to see anyone lose their jobs anytime, regardless of the industry. Um, this came from the top down, uh, even above the COO of, uh, and CEO of... Uh, ROH, Sinclair Broadcasting made the decision to cut all the contracts. You know, ROH has been kind of, they haven't been generating revenue for a while with the pandemic and all that. Uh, They talked about opening up in April of 2022. Uh, Their last shows, I believe, will be Final Battle in December and I think one other house show after that. And I'm excited to see what happens for the talent, but I'm also very sad for ROH as a whole. ROH is a, a company that has always been, you know, one to push the limits a little bit. So seeing that they're going into a show where they're going to be closing their doors, it's really going to be interesting to see how they keep up with that um, legacy that they've kind of built for themselves and and make sure that you remember Ring of Honor because it doesn't sound like they're necessarily trying to sell. I think it's a rebrand. The company yet? I think it's a rebrand. Um, there are rumors that AEW might be interested in purchasing the libraries Sinclair. and some, some of the talent from Sinclair. Um, time will tell on that. Like I said, it's just speculation and rumors at this point. Uh, I don't want to be a Metzer, Meltzer or whatever. <laughs> uh, we, we try to report facts here. so that's, that's true. But we were doing a little fantasy booking earlier today. And uh, at the, you and I both, you know, kind of came up with the same idea right out the gate. Man, bring over some of these uh, Ring of Honor guys over into AEW, and then do a old versus new uh, Ring of Honor kind of style. Put together like a little mini stable with Brian Danielson, CM Punk, Adam Cole, the Bucks. Yeah, there. Well, there's a lot, a lot of options there. I mean. We talked about how, you know, you could bring it in as ROH, have AEW literally buy them and, you know, in shoot. But you could have Cody Rhodes come on and say, hey, I'm the new owner of ROH. All in was, well, it was a, a plant. 
the downfall of ROH, so I could buy it when it was at its weakest. You know, kind of, kind of. And then they turn around and basically do the invasion angle reversed. Yeah, but better. Yeah. You know the way that we wanted to see it with with actually good matchups. Yeah, not Sean Stasiak weekly. Oh no! Such good shit. <laughs> oh man, yeah, it's just it, it's ripe with possibilities they could do there. I mean, you could do the same thing with kind of with Impact, uh, do an invasion angle there. You could, you know, you, what I'm excited for is seeing people like Angelina Love, Mandy, um, of the Allure, uh, Jay Lethal, uh, Jonathan Gresham, yeah, Lethal. seeing where they're going. Um, you know, Dan Housen's probably the Orange Cassidy of this year. One of the most over guys in wrestling. Uh, at first, I didn't quite get his gimmick, but it grew on me. And same with Orange Cassie. First, I didn't get the gimmick, but it grew on me. And the, so many talented individuals like Brody King there. Uh, yeah, it's just it's exciting for for what could be. Uh, still very very sad and somber for what is though. All right, all right. So give me give me your one dream matchup here. Like if you could if you could pick any any one guy that's leaving Ring of Honor. And one guy in any company, WWE, AEW, Impact, MLW, GCW, I don't care. New Japan, what, what match would you want to see? Oh, um, hmm, that's a toughie. Uh, honestly, I would really like to see uh, Bandito or Rush or uh, taking on the Young Bucks. Ooh. Uh, I would. Okay. I would like to see... Maybe Jay Lethal versus Kenny Omega. Um, one that I'm actually really excited for. I'm a, hu- a lot of people don't know this about me, but I'm a huge uh, Silas Young fan. Uh, the last real man gimmick from the early, late early 2000s and whatnot into early uh, 2010s. I'd like to see him versus Lance Archer as a potential uh, matchup. I don't know if Silas is still active. I know he's part of uh, the Ring of Honor crew, but... You know, kind of hard to tell with what goes on over there. Um, unfortunately, there's a lot of theories as to why this happened. Um, ROH has gone through a lot of head booking and head management changes. Uh, they had Marty Scarl at one point as their head booker. Uh, they had Bully Ray. Um, tons and tons of different bookers. And changing managers never really seemed to solve the problems there. It only kind of exacerbated it. And... You know, the, the biggest defining end point was the super show that they put on with New Japan that was really a shit show last year. Uh-huh. Or I guess the year before that. It, it, it exemplified overbooking and underbooking at the same time. <laughs> Which is too bad because, like, it's not something you're used to seeing at a Ring of Honor. Yeah, they're normally, normally really they're consistent. Really- yeah, really spot on. And the same with New Japan, typically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that was a rare miss. <laughs> yeah. Um, moving on from that, we had some drama happen on SmackDown this past week. Um, Cat fight! Cat fight! <laughs> uh, the oh, SmackDown women's title, title swap, which I'm going to go in on here if you don't mind, buddy. Oh, oh, please do, please do. Okay, so what in the ever-loving butt-fucking-hell are you thinking? 
that this was a good idea. You're going to have Charlotte Flair, your most decorated women's champion of all time, and your most over women's wrestler, uh, probably of all time, the type of reaction that, that Becky has gotten. And you're going to have them swap the titles and begin completely new reigns, adding to their counts when it doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, you had the opportunity, and I, 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 I can see where both sides of this issue happened. You had the opportunity to make new stars, and instead, you fucked the pooch. You've got Charlotte, who apparently, it's being reported, wanted to drop the Raw women's title to Bianca Belair. Since Charlotte was going to SmackDown, Bianca could take the Raw women's championship over to Raw, begin a whole new feud. She wanted to make her. I completely support that, and that's that is the right decision. That is the only decision, in my opinion. However, what happened on screen was very petty, very childish on Becky's, on Charlotte's, and on Sonya's parts. Unprofessional. Do fucking better, all three of you, and the management. Do fucking better. This all was so stupid. I mean, I mean, in, in reality. You have the, the Raw women's title, the SmackDown women's title, uh, two belts that are divided by a color. Yeah, let's I not, mean, not get me that's what we're really talking about here, red and blue, right? It's completely unnecessary. You could have totally had a situation where, you know, each superstar is drafted and... and in theory, works on that show, but still has to defend the title over on that show. It could even be a special attraction if they show back up to, you know, I bring the, mm-hmm. the blue belt back over to SmackDown to finally defend it again. Meanwhile, over on the blue brand, you're building up the contender for that belt. Well, it's like a mini- you know, it, it could even be an interesting situation where you got, like, um, uh, you, know, you got the Raw Women's Champion on SmackDown and that is the bet you know she's kind of holding that benchmark spot same as over on Raw you know you're holding a benchmark spot mm-hmm. whether well, it's with Becky or with Charlotte and it's not like you couldn't have done a transitional champion position on either of these things if you really wanted to s- swap the belts that badly and that would have made more fucking sense would have made more fucking sense it could have they could have done it in the same week or what, I mean, both Becky and Charlotte in various promos over the past couple of weeks mentioned that they wanted to unify or hold both belts, just have them fucking wrestle with both belts on the line, and then you can have somebody take a belt off of them later. Well, and that's the thing. So the thing that honestly pissed me off about the whole segment, beyond just throwing the belts on the ground and at each other, which is childish and disrespectful to and, the brand, and, to the management... And, I felt bad for Vince McMahon on that one. Legit. Felt bad. The legacy of the title. I mean, how many how many women have come before them and and built up those belts in that that whole we wouldn't, division? We wouldn't know because it's been them. That's the problem with the WWE women's division. It's only the horsewomen. Oh, I mean, in the, in the present, but I mean, you can't. I'm not gonna take away anything that like Lita or Trish Stratus did. Or... Well, yeah, but like the thing is, is like fans these days are only gonna remember the current stuff. They have to go to the network to watch the old stuff. They're not, you know, like you and me. Most of the time, the world we're gonna remember that. 
you know, to the casual viewer, they're going to think that these women are acting childish. But, like, the thing that felt completely unnecessary to me was it seemed like this whole fucking thing was set up to, to get a pop for Becky Two Belts, which was unnecessary because she was not Becky Two Belts. You want her to be Becky Two Belts? Put her in a fucking tag team and have her go after the tag titles. Just saying. Like, it was a trash segment. The whole company... It's a blemish on the whole company. It's a blemish on both women. The fact that Charlotte had to be uh, escorted out of the building by security. Blemish on her. Sony Deville apparently wanted to shoot fighter. And I get why I get why they're pissed. They all have legitimate reasons to be pissed with one another. But there's a time to handle that, and then there's a time to handle business. Well, I think ultimately, though, it does come down to management, though. Like, they... <sighs> It's terrible booking, is what it is. Yeah, it, it should have been realized that this is a bad idea going in. Like it's the Chris Jericho it, meme. It's a bad idea from stupid creative. I, I have a hard time believing that Charlotte Flair or Becky Lynch didn't say something backstage before the show in regards to how unhappy they were with this planned segment. Well, the thing is, is this Becky? Sh- There's no reason for Becky to have a problem with the way the segment was written, though. If you look at it, like how it was supposed to be written, she gets her moment. She gets to hold those two belts. But what? Charlotte gains nothing out of this segment. Sonya's just there to play middleman. Like, I, the fact that now the WWE roster and locker room is now siding and behind Becky, and they're quoting Charlotte as being difficult to work with. That, that's just fucking stupid, and it's ignorant. Well, well, there may be some truth to that, uh, yeah. you know, for other reasons. But I do think that Charlotte definitely has a point, because you know, my understanding from what I've heard and read uh, on Charlotte's point was she really felt like it cheapened the the reign of, of the belt, and, you know, giving them each another reign. You know, you and I have talked about how it really feels like they're just trying to push... Charlotte's, you know, the number of title reigns that she's had up to uh, beating her dad's number. Well, like, that seems like the entire point of of her existence in WWE. And I really wish that we could let Charlotte be Charlotte as opposed to being Rick's daughter. Yeah, that's the thing. That's, that's what Rick has stated so many times is he wants Charlotte to be her own woman. But, like, if you keep pushing the narrative, that's all fans are going to think. Well, and it's, I mean, at this point, I I think that, uh, you know, like, I I loved, by the way, the Venom get-up she had. Oh, yeah, no, she's always got it. I thought that was really cool. But I, I think maybe uh, drop the rope. I don't, I don't think the rope is helping you at this point. I think it's, it's almost hindering you. It's well, reminding like, everyone that you're... Rick Flair's daughter. daughter. Well, that and, like, she's calling herself the queen now, but, like, there's a whole new queen within the WWE, which we'll touch on here in a little bit. Like, you... Uh, It's double-dipping. You're just double-dipping at this point. Yeah. Like, I don't know. We we could rant about this for hours, but we're gonna, um... We're gonna move on. (laughs) Mostly because we literally could rant for hours on this. Uh, SmackDown, uh, replayed again on Saturday night to go live against AEW's Dynamite, which, oh, it's not competition, huh? It's not a competition. 
they're not competition. We're just going to compete against them. Let's It's a one-sided competition. We're here to we're here to just a show at the exact same time that you're doing your show. So here's the it's thing. Not competition. SmackDown ended up uh, defeating AEW Dynamite's broadcast in ratings. Um, here's the thing. People need to stop fixating so much on ratings and demos. While, yes, those are important, those are only important to advertisers. Like, stop fucking... That's Mark shit. Stop it. Do fucking better. Ultimately, think about it this way. WWE has 70 years of history. 70 years of history. AEW's at two and a half? A little over two? How many years... How many years did WCW have before they were competition? 12, 15. And then before that, I mean, really, that was the NWA. Yeah, which, you know, the thing is, when you fixate on these type of things, it's only divisive to the fan base. It's kind of like I said on our, our TikTok. We cheapen the evolution of the business by, by doing things like this, by knocking, you know, tag teams, by knock. It takes so much energy to hate. I really think fans would just be a lot better off if they just focused on enjoying wrestling and, like, stop worrying about demos and ratings. Let the companies worry about that. Let the advertisers worry about that. It doesn't fucking matter to the product. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Well, a, a pretty famous Vince McMahon quote. We were talking about this earlier today. Uh, Vince McMahon likes to refer to the shows as variety shows where, you know, you have different acts, different types of acts all through, all through the show. You know, sometimes it's serious. Sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's dramatic. Um, and his idea is that that's how you weave together a show. And I know that not everybody likes the WWE style of booking, but that's actually kind of the point. You're never going to lo- find, uh, you're never going to be able to make everybody happy. Mm-hmm. But if you put out there a ton of different things, you're going to find something that's going to appeal to uh, a large majority of people. And if you're able to put out uh, a show where the average person looks at it and goes, oh, okay, of 10 things, I saw seven or eight that I liked and two I didn't, well, that's a successful show. You, might, you don't have to like everything. But uh, the more stuff that is new and is, is being tried and, and put out there, especially by new companies like AEW or up-and-comers uh, like uh, MLW. like Or, or the soon-to-be ROH 2.0. <laughs> oh, no. They're not, they're not going to go all tie-dye, are they? Like, I would... I, NWO I, tie-dye. It's all black and white. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to go dig a hole and throw my head in it (laughs) um yeah uh i definitely i see the benefits of that and like the variety you 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 appeal to a broader audience to the more casual fans aew is more of the hardcore fans they're also still growing and like developing and like getting their feet in the industry you have to remember tony khan started this whole concept with the elite like kind of out of scratch after all in like they had a basic plan. They had everything in place. They've gone into interviews and talked about what they've done. But, like, he doesn't have a wrestling background. His background is in, like, technology and, like, football and social media and, you know, soccer and stuff. Like, 
give it some time and enjoy the ride. Like, stop fixating on stupid shit. Um, yeah, give it, give it a good, you know, six or seven years like we've had a terrible WWE programming before you really shit on, on it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Bound for Glory with Impact this past weekend. Uh, it's a real turning point, no pun intended. That's another pay-per-view name of theirs, I believe. Um, so Impact's relationship yes. with AEW is rumored to be at an end. Christian Cage dropped the Impact title to uh, Josh Alexander. Uh, Moose cashed in a contract he won earlier that night. Uh, beat the new champ right in front of his family. That was pretty funny. I thought it was a little overdone, but also great heel work. I, I, okay, I just have to say, by the way, I love Moose. Uh, it's gimmick infringement. Is one of the most underrated, underrated wrestlers out there right now. That's gimmick infringement, you motherfucker. Moose. Uh, now I'm a fan of Moose. I, I I give him shit on social media because we have the same gimmick. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, just um, all around, it was a it was a decent show, and like I don't really have complaints about it. Um. Something that I do have complaints about would be the New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, G1 Climax. Yeah. um, I I don't know if it hurt more for Kota Ibushi to get hurt or for me to watch Kota Ibushi get hurt. I think it hurt him more to get hurt. Okay, that's it probably fair. It was painful for us to watch, but he separated his shoulder doing a Phoenix uh, landing splash. Uh, he missed. Kazuchi uh, Okada was declared the winner via stoppage. Uh, he declared he had no interest in the new title, their World Heavyweight Championships. He's bringing back the old one. So the, the New Japan Pro Wrestling main event picture is super confusing. So uh, last year, Kota Ibushi... Um, Defeated Naito, um, winning both belts. Um, the Intercontinental and the, the Heavyweight merged them. He had them for a couple of events. <laughs> then he merged them into one really ugly, like, I want to call it the Divas Championship at this point, because it's fucking hideous. I'm, I'm just having fun listening to you try and explain all this. Keep going, please. So please. then, uh, Abushi got injured, and I believe the title ended up on Evil. Evil dropped the title. Uh, Osprey ended up with the title, got injured. <laughs> now I believe Shing- Shingo Tagaki is the one that's currently holding it. He's the New Japan uh, IWGP uh, he- World Heavyweight Champion, but like now Okada's carrying around the IWGP Championship, and it's just very confusing to the casual fan. And I really think New Japan is doing a disservice to themselves. I, I don't know about that. I mean, Japan's way, the, the New Japan way of doing things has always been a little bit different than what we're used to seeing here in the States. But it's always kind of been a revolutionary thing, too. I'm, I'm not opposed to it. But then again, you know, I'm a huge fan of the Rainmakers. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it, I'm excited, but at the same time, I think they have to resolve some things to 
to really kind of get back to where they were. Well, I I think it's hard. I mean, you you have a, a situation here where I mean, Ibushi gets injured. You've had Osprey get injured and have to drop the title. Ibushi gets injured again. Ibushi's second injury. Yeah, that's what I was just saying. It's. You, I, I, as a booker, I would think like you really want to kind of get it into almost like I I could see a really interesting fatal four way kind of situation. Yeah, and that's probably being what I would put together down the line. I think Wrestle Kingdom next year, and they don't do many triple threats or like fatal four ways in Japan. But I think if you're gonna do it, if all four men are healthy, Wrestle Kingdom next year in the Tokyo Dome. Yeah. Yeah. I can totally see that, and and but and that's why it would be cool, is because they don't do it very often, yeah. And um, especially like Osprey and Ibushi, we've seen them in both in multi man matches, Ibushi more in tag team matches, mm-hmm. and uh, they can pull off some pretty amazing spots. So I'd really be interested to see how that dynamic could work out in a fatal four way type situation. Uh, especially with like Abushi's history with working with uh, the elite, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm sure he's learned a couple of of interesting tag <laughs> spots from them that could be utilized in, in a fatal four way type environment. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I am excited to see Tamatanga finally getting a singles push, so that's exciting. Uh, it's a shame it's with his his uh, new look. I'm still not a super huge fan of his new gear, but. Uh, Biggest asshole in professional wrestling right there. Hey, he's a good guy. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Uh, I I honestly... Okay, as long as we're talking about, like, kind of like dream matches, who would love to see... How much would you love to see current Tomatongo versus current Roman Reigns? I think it would be amazing. Like, I... (laughs) It would be amazing. Like, the Tribal Chief's on a whole other level, and I think it would elevate Tamatanga to a whole other level, too. Well, plus, I think their uh, their gimmicks are the same but different enough that it could be really interesting. Like, they, they, they have a very similar uh, attitude and style going into things. Well, they are family, so, I mean, maybe they talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, I would, I would love to watch that, personally. I would, I I would too. Um, It'll never happen. Yeah, no. Uh, Eric Bischoff continues to fire shots at AEW, Tony Khan, and uh, CM Punk. Um, Punk and Khan have been going back and forth with Bischoff for a week, and Bischoff... So, once again, it goes back to the fixating on the ratings. Eric, keep your fucking mouth shut. You, You kind of... You fucked WCW literally into the ground. You got no room to talk. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You can't put WCW's failure all on Eric Bischoff's shoulders. There was this whole Vince Russo guy that was there fucking shit up. Who signed him, though? Who, wh- what do you mean? Who signed Russo? Bischoff did. boss. No, Bischoff didn't. Uh, it's not what I've heard. Um, But anyways, it's not all on him, but at the same time, like... The buck has to stop at the top. Like, and he also kind of gluttoned them down with really huge contracts, unnecessarily large contracts. Like, there's a lot of blame there. Uh, oh, I'm not, 
Okay. <clears throat> Hold on now. I'm not going to sit here and say that Eric Bischoff didn't have like any faults. That's not that wasn't that wasn't the point of my statement. The point of my statement was is if I was going to, you know, put WCW's downfall onto a man's shoulders, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be Eric Bischoff. It would definitely be Vince Russo. Now that that being said, um, you know, we kind of we kind of mentioned earlier that the the ratings aren't everything nowadays, and I think that Bischoff went into a situation where he already had uh, a framework built for him that that Tony Khan and AEW that straight didn't. I mean. You can't you can't say that okay well we had the elite okay <laughs> and uh, and how and and how and how does that translate to like what you're currently seeing like back back when you started this whole thing you could have very well I mean Adam Page was a member of the elite now him versus Kenny Omega is the the match like the the feud. Yeah, and it's exciting as hell. But it, it wouldn't have been that way if they were still on the same page because it's all just about them being a team. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, ultimately, the, like fixating on the ratings and who who is the draw, that's, the again, the company's operas, operating points. Uh, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um... It's frustrating as a fan to watch these fans and podcasters, even, even like we give our critiques and stuff. Let these people figure shit out. Like call it saying, you know, CM Punk's jacked the bed because he's not a draw and not, not bringing in, you know, consistently high ratings. Well, the, the competition on TV is a lot stiffer nowadays than it was in the 90s. Alright, if you're going to call CM Punk not, not a draw, I want to, I just, I got to, okay. Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan, big WCW guy, big Eric Bischoff guy, right? Mm-hmm. If you book, if, if I told you tonight on Nitro, you're going to see uh, Hulk Hogan versus Prince Iakea or Ernest the Cat Miller or Norman Smiley, like, I can see you yawning from all the way back here, man. Like, <laughs> you're, you're not, you, you don't want to watch that. Like, Sure, Hulk Hogan's a draw, great, but that's not the that's man. not him being pushed uh, to any kind of test. CM Punk, as of right now, with the exception of the Darby Allen match, he hasn't really but, been pushed. Yeah, there there hasn't been a, a must see CM Punk match yet. They're all good matches, but they're not like it's it's nothing that's gonna draw you the. The bank that, like, something like, yeah, the NWO was a rating success. Mm-hmm. That also took time to place and to plan. Like, CM Punk, to get there, to, to be that draw, the, his moment coming back was a huge draw, huge wrestling moment. But he also needs opponents that are at the same level or at least can be brought up to the same level. No offense to any of his opponents outside of Darby. None of them are really there yet. Right, but I, but I but I will say that like if you announced right now that next week we were gonna get to see CM Punk versus Adam Cole, oh for sure it would it would kill anything that SmackDown was doing. Put it on Rampage. Yeah. 
Exactly. So, yeah, I don't think it's fair to say he's not a draw when he just hasn't. Because to be a draw, you it's not just about one guy. It's about having that matchup mm-hmm. that people want to see. That's the things a lot of people don't understand. And, like, you know, I mean, Eric has an understanding of the business aspect in terms of, like, the, the dollars and pennies and whatnot. But, like, as terms of, like, booking, he, he was a creative genius in his time. But, like, times have also changed. There's a lot more competition on TV. You know, people aren't watching live shows all that often they're recording it and coming back to it or they're watching it on peacock or the network whenever it was on there like or hulu the next day like these ratings are so skewed that like you're not really getting true accurate data out of all your audience well and you know this guy this guy that i know knows a good amount about professional wrestling he said that like in order to be successful you have to work for for years on creating the right format for your show and for your audience, and you can't even truly see the, um, the impact of what you've done on your show until a good six months to a year after it's been done. Do you know who said that? No. It was Eric Bischoff on 83 Weeks about two years ago. Well, maybe he should take his own advice. Yeah. Anyways, moving on. Uh, the Blood Money Jewel, I mean Crown Jewel, was a moderately okay event. Uh, nothing really to write home about. It was a good event in a vacuum. Nothing. It's, it's kind of a glorified house show. It is. It is. That's all it is. Like, okay, uh, the 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 Hell in a Cell match. That was good. Uh, that was a good. It was a good Hell in a Cell match. Like, I'm not they gonna... kicked they kicked off the show with the Hell in a Cell match, which shocked me a little bit. But I I think that that was uh, I like I understand the idea of you want to get like a pump. a big match going to pump up the crowd right That's away. A... But I I think the Hell in a Cell just the structure. Um, and maybe that's why they did it, like, just to get the structure out, of the, out way. of the way and have it set up, you know, you know, for production's sake. But the 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 cell itself is almost a star. Like, it gets its own entrance, you know, when it's brought down and everything. And I think to put it out there that early... It was a mistake. Um, yeah. I... I the match that really impressed me was the King of the Ring finals. That was a really good match between Balor and uh, Woods. Um, I actually, you know, the match that, besides the Hell in a Cell in that one, the one that I enjoyed the most was actually the tag team title match. I thought that was a really was good, good match. Um, nothing to really write, like we said again, to write home about, but like, outside of those... You know, even the Lesnar versus Reigns match was kind of a dud, in my opinion. Like, and that, it was nowhere near as hard hitting as the you last know, encounters uh, done at SummerSlam or, or WrestleMania. Yeah. Well, that's the things. Like, Paul Heyman executed his spot perfectly to throw the belt in there. Everything after that was just awkward and kind of clumsy. If we're yeah, being it honest, it felt. It, it it felt okay. So Paul Heyman yells out. You know what to do. And both Lesnar and Roman Ooh. are like, 
<laughs> what? <laughs> what do I do? What did he say? If both men had like instantly rushed for the belt, <clears throat> um, I think it would have added to that illusion a little bit more. But um, I, I think that was a spot where I, I felt like Reigns and Lesnar both kind of dropped the ball. dropped the ball a little. Maybe it's because they didn't like have the timing right to both. React. Go after, I don't know. You know, it, it, it could have been done better. Like, it wasn't a bad match. And, like, here's the thing. A lot of people like to shit on um, Brock Lesnar. You know, it's the cool thing to do. And I'm not super huge on having Brock involved in title matches. You know my opinion on that. But, like, Brock is one of the best workers the business has ever seen. He understands the business at a finite level. People don't, people don't like that. They don't understand that, like, he thinks about what is actually good for the business. He's an attraction. You're not going to see Brock wrestle every night. But when you do, it's special. And this match did feel somewhat special going into it. It was very excellently built. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that they, they do something a little more at Survivor Series or Royal Rumble. But, like, I've heard rumblings that this is the main event for WrestleMania 38. Well, I, I've heard recently that um, you know they wanted they wanted the main event to be Roman Reigns versus The Rock, and that, uh, for whatever reason, that's not going to happen now. I assume it's because The Rock gets paid way more money to do movies than to uh, get himself beat up in a wrestling match. Yeah, and I mean, time's kind of ticking on that match, in my opinion. The Rock's almost, he's either 50 or almost 50. Um, I I, lo- I love The Rock, don't get me wrong. Hey, he's the most electrifying man in all the sports entertainment, but I don't need to see The Rock versus Roman Reigns. It doesn't do anything for me. I mean, if it's it truly a retirement match for The Rock, if it's truly a retirement, like, he he loses, he's done, to put over his, his cousin, I am okay with it. If it's built correctly, not just hodgepodge. It would, yeah, it would have to still be built correctly. Um, I, I don't personally know how, how to do it in a way that doesn't feel forced. I mean, the head of the table stuff kind of writes itself, and the Rock could say, "Well, I'm the one that built the table." There's your story. It's cliche. It's fuck. It would and be... that's the th- that's the thing is is it feels cliche and with the rock coming back just to do it is what I'm saying it feels forced. <laughs> the... I... <laughs> wait wait wait, they're gonna do Roman Reigns versus the Rock at WrestleMania 39 once in a lifetime, then the following night, twice in a lifetime WrestleMania 40. Get Roman Reigns, get Roman Reigns one movie role. Okay, this is how I okay. Get Roman Reigns one movie role, and then have him come out after that. Some shades, guitar, nice, nice, nice shirt. Just like, hey, I am the biggest movie star that WWE has ever produced. I'm the best champion that WWE has ever produced. I'm the most electrifying man in all the sports entertainment. Just start taking the right shtick. It'd be hilarious. I, I'm all for it at that hey, point. Hey, Dwayne. Dwayne, you want to fight? Just bring it. Come on, Dewey. Come on. 
You have to call him Dwayne through the entire series. Dwayne or Dewey, one of the two. Mr. Johnson. Come on. Uh, yeah, I think that would be pretty pretty interesting. Um, I do have some breaking news to report. Um, Wyndham Rotunda just tweeted out a little bit ago, two days left. That's all he said on the tweet. As many of you know, his contract, no complete clause, ends on Friday. Uh, I wonder what else is happening on Friday. Wyndham Rotunda to AEW confirmed. Shit, I thought he was going back to SmackDown as the friendly. Oh, he's, he's definitely going back to SmackDown. Him the, and uh, Alexa Bliss are going to show up together. The friendlies. Instead of the fiends, they're the friendlies. But, yeah. <laughs> She's got a new doll, and uh, he's got a happy puppet. Actually, flip it. Give him a blow-up doll and give her a happy puppet. And they're, and they're, and they're now best friends with Happy Corbin. Exactly. <laughs> That's such good shit. Just go to hell. (laughs) All right, before we get to our uh, SmackDown and Raw and AEW coverage, let's take a moment from our sponsors. Are you feeling down? Are you not feeling up to the task? Are you feeling lame? Well, now it's your chance to step right up, get up to the plate, feel large and in charge. That's right. Get your enforced chew. 20% stronger than all the leading male enforcement and enhancement products out on the market. Don't be a Pete Dune. Be a Pete Dune. Pick up your enforced chew today. And if you go to enforceyou.com right now use this code standards of greatness to receive 20% off of your order of enforce you by the whisker corporation and we're back uh, I, I, that was i like that one a little bit better that was better than last week's i, I think they took our advice our feedback and really worked on it Uh, yeah, so anyways, <laughs> SmackDown. Uh, honestly, this this last week's SmackDown was kind of weak to me. Um, you know, it was kind of surprising coming off of Crown Jewel, actually. I expected a little bit stronger show out of SmackDown this week. Yeah, I, I really thought they would do a lot more. I did like that they had Roman Reigns come out and taunt Brock Lesnar. Lesnar comes out and destroys everyone. Um, I thought that was really well. They're, apparently, the rumor is that Lesnar is being booked into an angle with Adam Pearce as a McMahon versus Austin style angle. Um, Adam Pearce and Vince McMahon are not in the same league, so this is gonna be a real, <laughs> real fucking hard sell for me. Adam Pearce better be sitting in Vince McMahon's like office every day, taking fucking notes on what to say, because that that would be a miss for me. Keep going with what you're doing, but like. At the same time, don't fucking do that. Yeah, I also want to report that the barricade uh, sustained a, an injury. We're hoping it's able to come back for next week's SmackDown. I, I heard that they gave it some Z-Packs and some Enforced Chew, and it should be good to go. Oh, okay. Well, as long as it's got the Enforced Chew, it'll be able to pop right back up. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Um, honestly, Lesnar and Reigns, outside of the, the Crown Jewel finish... It's the best thing going in WWE, bar none. Uh, it's a huge drop-off after that, unless, it's, unless it involves Edge or Randy Orton. And it's 
not very good these days. <laughs> yeah, uh, considering how good SmackDown uh, has I mean, been in comparison to Raw has been lately, it was a real dud of the show. This, Nothing really to report here. This felt like a Monday Night Raw, honestly. I like the Raw after like a mid-level pay-per-view. Am I wrong or am I wrong? No, no, that's almost exactly what it was. I mean, except it's not a mid-level pay-per-view. It's a uh, a glorified house show, so what can you do? Yeah. Uh, one of the other pros is the coronation of King Xavier Woods. Um, I have no complaints about the segment outside of, you know, them not following through with, like, what is his gospel? And I feel like it also is a missed opportunity for Kofi Ke- Kingston heel turn. Uh, I want to see what they're going to do. I'm going to wait and see, but... I think the Kofi Kingston heel turn is feeling a little bit more telegraphed after this last week. I feel like it's almost like, all right, let's go ahead and do it now. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, I do like... I mean, I, I like Xavier Woods doing the... Uh, the the bad accent, the whole shtick, uh, the proclamations. I think it's funny. King Booker! Um, I just, uh, I hope he's able to use it to elevate himself and take himself into kind of that next level. I'd love to see him with a, uh, an intercontinental title as opposed to Happy Corbin. Please don't let that happen. Happy Corbin. Please. Happy Corbin is the American version of Pete Dunne. I just don't want to see it. <laughs> Moving on to AEW. No, we we have more to cover. Um, hit, no, don't make me do it. <laughs> hit Row debuted on SmackDown. Uh, you know, I wasn't feeling them on NXT. They did a good job on SmackDown. I, I have no complaints about that. Um, was this NXT 2.0 just being garbage and them just kind of like wafting through the shit? You know, like when you step in some dog shit and you kind of like have to like smoosh it off your shoe? Uh, you know, wipe it in the grass? Or was this a disconnect between the fans and the product? I mean, I don't know. I, to me, it was just, it wasn't, it wasn't a great debut to me. It was a average debut to me. I think when you're comparing, comparing it to something like Sanity coming up to the main roster, it's, you know. Well, it was a success. Absolutely but, amazing, but. Yeah, let's um, not get me started on Sanity. I, I think I, I guess the problem is is I've seen so many tag teams come up from um, NXT, whether it's Sanity or the Ascension, Heavy or Machinery, the Raiders, the Viking Raiders experience. Viking experience, it's such good shit. Um, I, I just feel like they've all gotten uh, kind of the shaft, so. It, I think this is the best job that WWE has done, bringing a team up onto the main roster. But yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting to see. It's a li- they're booking it a little differently. I, I kind of figured they were giving um, AJ Francis the push as a singles guy once he was on that Treasure Trove show for a uh, for A and E uh, WWE Treasures. Uh, I'm waiting to see what they do with it. I don't think there's... I mean, 
you you have to book him as heels. You know, there's not really a way to book them as a babyface. I mean, there is, but it wouldn't be interesting. Um, yeah, that was about it. Um, the rest of the show was basically a giant con. Oh, who do you, who do you want to see him go up against? Let me ask you this: Maybe you just brought up this this brand new heel tag team. Who who do you want to see him go up against here on SmackDown? The Who's only the team to have. The only other team there is is the Usos. Like, and the Usos are also a heel team. Yeah. Maybe the street and that right there. And that right there was my whole point. Maybe is, the street profits. I guess I don't know. You don't have, you don't have a diversified tag division after breaking up so many teams over the past couple of weeks. I mean, it's not like rated RK Bro or over there. You need, you need. If you're gonna have, a, if you're gonna have that, all these heel teams, you need baby faces for them to face. Agreed. And there's, I can't think of any off the top of my head. Maybe I'm blanking on it, but like, yeah, just. Yeah, I don't know. The rest of the show was just a huge miss for me. I don't want to see Nakamura and Corbin for the millionth time. I don't want to see Corbin no. on my fucking screen. Like, don't get me wrong, the guy the guy is a good heel, but, like, this whole happy Corbin gimmick is, like, go-away heat pushed to the max to me. And his, his partner is even worse, Madcap Moss. I literally, like, change the channel when they come on the, on the TV. I will, okay... I'm, I'm, you know, I hate, I, I hate Baron Corbin, but <coughs> I have come up with a way to save this gimmick. I'm all ears because at this point anything's better. Diamond Dallas Page. Positively positive. Positively Page coming in, starts them on the DDP yoga. That could lead to some really good segments, and. Page has enough goodwill just on his own being him. He's an extremely talented guy. I think that whether, you know, no matter what capacity it's in, I think Baron Corbin needs some help getting over. Well, yeah, that's that's the thing. It's like, as the downtrodden Corbin he was getting over and, like, him getting rich finally was, like, a start. But, like, now it's just obnoxious. We're back to, like, just him being obnoxious. We're, there's so many different Corbins and they're all fucking annoying. They're all bad. <laughs> Although I will say this, best finish in the business, most protected finish in the business. I don't think anybody's ever actually fucking kicked out of it. No, I no, he's uh, yeah, great, uh, great he has worker. Some incredibly hard hitting moves. He looks that look great in the ring, and um, I, like I think he has a good look in general, but the gimmick is terrible. He need. To me, he desperately needs a manager or a valet. Well, he's got a manager. It's just his manager's terrible and has go away heat. I don't. I don't think of him as a manager. It's like I'm a lackey, sorry. I guess. I don't know. Like, I guess. Yeah. See, I think of him more of as, as a sidekick, as a lackey. Yeah. No, I'm. I'm. I'm saying you need a full-on manager. Somebody to uh, talk for him, so he's not on the microphone. Yes. Because if he does, like honestly, I think uh, I mean he's not there anymore, so it's not an option. But I think he would have paired really well with Zeb Coulter. No, yeah, that would have been really, really well. Um, 
there's a lot of options I think you could do. Honestly, like even somebody like Paul Ellerling, if he would come out of retirement, would have been a good fit. Oh yeah. Give him, you know, had had they still had the uh, authors of pain involved in the WWE. Oh my God! Now that would that would have been a stable right there. That would have been good. Authors of with Baron Corbin, still is the Wolf. Mm-hmm. No longer the Wolf. Now they're the Wolf. Or the Lone Wolf. He's the Wolf Pack. This is the Wolf Pack. Yeah. That would have been that would have been a lot better. I would have loved it. <laughs> Way to go, WWE. Way to fuck it up. Do fucking better. <laughs> uh, moving on, Monday Night Raw. Um, outside of the main event and the tag title match, it was a medium show. Um, Lynch and Bel Air were gas on the promos, but uh, yeah, just about everything else about this the show was trash. Uh, not really much to to write home about with that. Um, you know, we had a. Nope. Confrontation with Rollins in the beginning, confronting Big E. Big E called him on his bullshit about losing to Edge and demanding a shot. That led to um, Kevin Owens, Rey Mysterio, and Finn Balor coming out. Exciting, new contenders, but predictable. Um, there was a fatal four-way ladder match at the beginning, or at the end of the show for the main event. I really felt like making it a ladder match didn't really help. Just put big spots on the TV. Unnecessary. In my opinion, it was really strange because it was the situation where, okay, I can't say that we've seen this match specifically, but, it but felt somehow familiar. I feel like we've seen this match twenty or thirty times. Yeah. Um. I'll I'll talk about Kevin Owens and the cons in a minute. Um, so, Zelina, the queen of the ring winners, uh, coronation happened, uh, terrible accent, um, like, really bad, just don't do it, it's just cringe. Uh, or do it way more. Yeah, lean into it, or don't do it at all. Um... I, I'm 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 personally all for leaning hardcore into it because, it, like, and I, and I said this to you um, before before we went and started recording. I I think it was in the end a better choice to go with Zelina Vega over Deirdre. Well, yeah, it fits better as the queen of the ring. Yeah, um, I mean, she put she put like what eight minutes of effort into into that over the course of a couple of weeks. Yeah, a whole twenty six minutes, twenty minutes. For the entire tournament? Less. It was less than that. Ugh. Uh, in total, it, it was just over 16. Oh my god, that's so terrible. Uh, yeah, uh, Damian Priest had a heel turn while facing Dominic Djokovic, which I'm not calling him fucking T-Bar. It's fucking stupid. Um, it was a, a squash match that ended up in a DQ. Um, yeah, I'm kind of surprised they did this. I'm all for, like, a heel turn, a good one every once in a while, but, like, this one literally came out of nowhere. Like, I don't know, just, it felt a little forced. Uh, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Um... It happened. <laughs> it, it, see, the thing is, 
like a heel turn should be something that you uh you're you're invested in enough that you feel uh, a certain way about it when it happens and it happened and i was just kind of eh. okay <laughs> so we're doing this now uh i don't think it was anything that was it wasn't so much that the execution was bad it's just i didn't feel there was enough build up it was not logical to... in any way yeah yeah um well, it's just being a heel for the sake of being a heel yeah, which E-Fetters of the world can relate to. Oh, <laughs> shot fired! <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'm going to shit on you bang, a little bang. bit. Uh, Liv Morgan versus Carmella. Oh, wow, I thought we had a draft. I thought there were going to be new matches. No, uh, you may not have new matches. You can't have any nice things. I literally... I'm going to go borrow that hole that you dug and go put my head in it. <laughs> my head's still in there. you you got to dig your own hole. Fuck! It's such terrible shit. <laughs> Even Vince doesn't want to watch it anymore. Why did I book this? It's so bad. Um, Maybe if I book it again, it'll be good next time. Gotta double down on my such huge grapefruits. Uh, yeah, so I don't know if anybody else noticed this, but um, Keith Lee, I'm not, not calling him Bearcat Lee. Uh, cause fuck you, that's stupid. Why was he growling throughout his entire match with Cedric Alexander? Like, was I the only one that noticed that? He was, like, growling like he's like, I'm a mountain lion, right? I, I 100, 100% guarantee that that was a direct order from this man. I need you to growl like a mountain lion. It'll be such good shit. Vince, Vince, you're not being serious. You're always being serious. <laughs> when you pop yourselves. <laughs> you know, Keith Lee had to be behind the curtain just going, man, I was I was over. I was popular. That's the thing. I, I didn't have to growl. <laughs> but now I'm a mountain lion. <laughs> Rawr. He's. He's a, I feel so bad for him. I want him to get released just so he can go somewhere else where he's appreciated. Agreed. Um, it, it's it's painful to watch. Like really stupid, painful to watch. Um, I would love. I would love. I would absolutely love it if I could see a program with Keith Lee and Kevin Owens. No, I definitely like. I'm all for that. Like. That would be really, really good. Like, you're booking Keith Lee as a heel now. Kevin Owens can do a babyface. Like, I'm all for like, it. Sorry, go ahead. I wasn't trying oh, I to just, I was. I'm all for it. That's all I was saying. And I think the, the thing is, is there are things that we want to see. It's not that there aren't matchups on Raw or SmackDown that we don't want to see. It's just you're not doing them. And you just keep going back to the same old shit over and over again. I mean, I'm really hoping that we're we're moving on with the uh, the tag team title picture. I'd really like to think that. They are starting to present some new challengers. Um, 
We're seeing RK Bro versus Ziggler and Rude, so that's good. You know, I, I, AJ Styles really shouldn't be in the tag team division. I'm sorry. It's it's a waste. At this point, if almost hasn't learned anything, then he needs to be sent back to NXT. He Agreed. is huge as shit. He should be a dominating as a singles performer. AJ Styles is a living legend. Do fucking better. Also, AJ Styles, uh, just you know, piece of advice. If you're wrestling against Randy Orton, maybe you don't go for the phenomenal forearm. Just saying. That never seems to work out well for you. You always <laughs> seem to get RKO'd out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the final con. Um, Kevin Owens is in the WWE title picture after months of being buried on SmackDown by Happy Corbin. Um, I don't know about you guys out there in the wrestling verse, but um, this makes zero sense to me, like logistically and logically. He's been buried unless he signed a new deal. Like, it's just not smart. It's the same kind of concept uh, as, and I hate that I am actually going to be saying this. It's the same kind of concept as Jinder Mahal. You can't book someone as as weak and as as losing consistently for as long as they have with Kevin Owens, and then turn around and make you believe that he's worthy of a title shot. And, and it's not even that. Like everybody that knows Kevin Owens knows he's good enough to win the championship or carry a championship. He's a fucking amazing talker, amazing worker. Huge Kevin Owens fans here at the pod. It doesn't make sense. Make it make fucking sense. And and what's really sad about it is I think Owens would have rather, you know, like, man, let Owens stalk Biggie. Yeah, like... Have it be kind of akin to what he did with Kofi, but a little bit different. Like, he tore it down with Kofi. Now, who's he going to feud with? He going to turn heel and feud with Finn Balor? Eh. And, and I'll be honest, I, I like the idea of uh, of an Owens-Big E matchup. Like, that... The, the work styles, you know, I like that that big hoss style, the big he has, being able to move quickly. Um, so you have the matchup there, but you got to give it the story to go with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on to your favorite, favorite show of the week, Brian. Oh, yay. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I made this god-awful mistake of saying... <laughs> We, I, I remember we opened up the podcast. The first thing I said to you was that it was Halloween and that I wanted them to bring back Halloween Havoc. I'm never going to suggest bringing back anything to it, WWE ever again. If it makes you feel better, I suggested bringing back Chucky. <laughs> okay, so maybe... Okay, this was both our fault. Yeah, so... Into the wrestling, into the wrestling community, we apologize. I don't. Fuck you guys. <laughs> kidding love y'all um yeah it just uh halloween havoc was this past tuesday um 
The only pros of the evening were Toxic Attraction holding all the gold at the end of the night. I mean, you can give me Gigi Dolan any day of the week, Mandy Rose any day of the week, JC Jane any day of the week. All very good performers. JC's a little greener than the other two, but uh, it works. I'm really intrigued by what they're doing. Um, Champa versus Breaker was a decent match. The finish was kind of shit. But, like... Uh, I liked the interaction between Chucky and Braun Breaker. Basically, like... Um, I thought really... He's not, a, he's not a Steiner, though. Definitely not a Steiner. Well, we can't he, call him a Steiner. But the Chucky doll said to him, "I hope, I hope you're not, or uh, I hope uh, it doesn't run in the family being a loser." But he's that doesn't make any sense. He's not a Steiner. He's a breaker. I'm just telling you what he said. Um, interesting little interactions. Um, Imperium won the tag titles like we thought they would. The rest of the show sucked ass. Uh, we did hear reports earlier today that Shawn Michaels is now taking over while Triple H is on the mend in terms of production, so maybe we'll see some better quality matches at least. Uh, I mean, I'd like to think that this last month was all like a giant experiment and they're now looking at it as a failed experiment and gonna let, gonna let Triple H and... Uh, Shawn Michaels kind of take back over the reins. That'd be really nice. I don't see it happening. <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, and the, the worst part is now they've kind of put Braun Breaker in this spot of where does he go? They've booked themselves into a corner. So it'll be really interesting to see where they go with him. Yeah, he's not good enough to be the champ. But he's too and, good for everything uh, else. <laughs> he's too good for everything else, so. Yeah. And maybe he goes up to the main roster now? That sounds about right. He'll be WWE champion in no time. <laughs> All right, before heading on to AEW, a word from our sponsors. Have you ever found yourself unable to stand at attention in the bedroom? Instead of a oh, ki- no. instead of a king dominator under the sheets, have you been a Michael Miner? I can't get it up. We'll turn things around today with Enforced Shoe, the only male enhancement pill that will let you ride until you die. Oh my god, you're huge! Be a madman in the sheets, an enforcer in the streets. In the event of an erection that lasts longer than an Evan Jones title reign, check with your doctor. Enforced you. Whiskers Corporated! That was an interesting ad. I wonder who that girl is. Yeah, I I don't know. Uh, AEW Dynamite Saturday edition. Uh, two back-to-back Saturdays before we head to Wednesday, which is the night we are recording this on. We will not spoil anything for you guys. Um, we had Brian Danielson versus Dusted Rhodes. Uh, very interesting matchup. Two different, very different styles. Hard-hitting. Uh, I've got no complaints about the match outside of some awkward spots. Uh, Danielson winning was the correct mat or correct result. Um, my one problem with this World Eliminator tournament is it's a lot of these matches are predictable. Uh, with who's gonna win? The, the whole tournament seems rather predictable to me, but I, you know, it, it was a match that I hadn't really seen before, and I like the fact that uh, Rose was using his uh his larger size 
to his bench, which isn't something that I really felt that we saw all that much when he was, you know, doing the Goldust character. Yeah, um, he's a big dude. Um, yeah, what I like about this story is it told the story of the aging veteran who can still kind of go, but has lost a step or two, if that makes sense. Well, I think that's the story he tells the best at this point. Well, I think that's the only story he he can tell at this point. Like, <laughs> he, it's the truth. He's an aging veteran. He's still got one. He's still got one more good one left in him. Bring in Mickey Rourke. You can just get Chris Jericho. It's the same thing. No, I say get Arn Anderson to get him really motivated with the shotgun. <laughs> we'll get to that in a little bit. Um. Ruby Soho versus Penelope Ford. Uh, it was kind of a sloppy match at times, but like there were a lot of high spots in action that like kind of made up for it. It was like I don't really know how to phrase it other than like sloppy choppy. Interesting finish to this match. Yeah. Um, I... Yeah, there's not really a whole lot more on that. Like I almost put it in the cons, but like there was just enough action and high spots that like made me think it was like it's one of those situations where it's like 51% good 49% bad <laughs> just enough uh Bobby Fish versus Anthony Green kind of a squash match uh CM Punk makes the save post match setting up a match between Fish and Punk I thought it you know was going to be a feud time will tell on that um we haven't really seen oh, all this this is the first one, though, that we were saying could potentially be... I mean, if you if you book Bobby Fischer's CM Punk, that's one that people are going to want to watch right there. It is something that people are going to want to watch. Uh, it's too bad it won't be a draw, right, Eric? <laughs> uh, we had... <laughs> I don't want to spoil that one yet, but... Um... Rampage took place the night before. I guess we should have started there. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, yeah, so Cody Rhodes versus Malachi Black. Uh, for those of you that didn't catch it the night before, Andrade versus Pac had kind of an interesting finish. Malachi Black got involved. Cody Rhodes makes a save after Iron pulls his Glock. Uh, that was hilarious. Um, you can just... I, I need Arn pointing his imaginary Glock at everything as a motivational way to train. Just have him like it's like the Twinkie on the string. I I just have to say, there's a part of me that really wants to see Arn Anderson and Matt Hardy work together at this point. That'd be interesting. Just, Nightmare Family versus Har- Hardy Foundation. Uh, like punk or uh, to have. To have Arn pointing the uh, imaginary gun at Hardy, and I can just imagine Hardy full on selling it, like he <laughs> actually has a gun being pointed at him. <laughs> uh, but yes, that that match set up Rhodes versus Black um, three. Andrade and Pac both got involved. My favorite point part of the entire match was the teased pedigree at the end, where it became a Tiger Driver ninety eight. And then Arn Anderson pacing back and forth on the arena floor. And um, let's just like I'm thinking about like more Glock time, please, more Glock time. The Tiger Driver ninety eight was cool. That, that, you that don't was see that what every I day. was expecting to see there. No. No, everybody expects to see the crossroads and I think 
I think now Cody Rhodes has become self-aware of what's going on. And it's almost like leaning into a Triple H-like story on purpose. Um, well, he certainly still wasn't getting any love from the audience. I mean, there were a few Cody chants that yeah, but I heard. I, but... I, I kind of almost wonder if this is being done on purpose. I would hope so at this point. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a fantastic match. Uh, Malachi Black's social media post uh, afterwards was interesting where he's like, you may have won the battle, but I won the war. I changed you forever. I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, I've heard rumors that this might continue on. I, I kind of hope not. Um, let Malachi... No, I, I think if you're going to do it anymore, I think you need to give it a break and come back and revisit it in a couple of months. I think maybe it, um, at All Out next year, revisit it. I or, can see that. Or uh, Double or Nothing in May. I could even see waiting until full gear next year. Yeah, something. Uh, it was a good match. Um, cons, uh, the Lance Archer versus uh, Eddie Kingston match for the uh, world title eliminator. The match was okay, but uh, the Archer's awkward landing on his head and neck overshadowed the entire match. Um, here's my advice. If you're a big man, don't do a fucking moonsault unless you actually can do it. Now, don't get me wrong. I've seen Lance Archer pull this move off before, but I, I'm not a fan of the big heavyweights and super heavyweights doing moonsaults. I didn't like it when Vader did it. I don't like it now. Except Bam Bam Bigelow. Wasn't a fan of that either. I'm not... Hugh Morris? No. I, I, it just... Hugh Morris had a great moonsault, man. I, mean, I can appreciate him doing it, but like... I, that's not how, to me, how a big man should wrestle. Everybody has their preferences. All right, well, this is just going to have to be one where you and I agree to disagree. My very first, very first wrestling show I ever went to was a WCW house show, and I remember seeing Hugh Morris do the moonsault, and I think, damn, if that wasn't one of the coolest things. I think we might have been at the same house show. <laughs> did you did you see me? I was the one wearing the sting mask. I don't know. I was the one in the the robe in the front row. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then Jungle Boy versus Brandon Cutler. Um, it was a squash match. Jungle Boy calling out the elite, and none of them coming out. Then he puts Cutler into like a crossface. Then Adam Cole comes out and like beats him down, and the elite come out and beat him down. So. At this point, with the Jungle Boy assaults, something needs to happen to make this kind of, like, matter. Because the Elite are now feuding with Jurassic Express and the Dark Order. Something needs well, to happen Jungle, here. Jungle Boy was looking pretty strong before that, though. Like... Yeah, like, I'm not saying... I do think that we're seeing something out of Jungle Boy. I do think that we're seeing, uh, the you know, Jungle Boy becoming a jungle man. Yeah, and I'm all for that, but like, I won't. I I think we're we need to start accelerating more to the payoff of this, because this every week him getting laid out. After he has a good match, gets laid out, gets laid out, gets laid out, has a good match, gets laid out. Like it's it's almost like a trope at this point. I expect it. Surprise me. You heard him, Tony Khan. Surprise him. Do it. My name's not I Eric. Get, I... 
I can't. I, I, I can't. I can't stop him from wanting to be surprised. I, I don't know what you want from me. Alrighty. Um, Rampage. Britt Baker versus Anna J. Um, sign me up. Um, this was a good match. Uh, it set up Taya Conti versus Britt Baker for Full Gear. Some good promo work. Uh, back and forth. Uh, on social media. Uh, cons. Orange Cassidy versus Powerhouse Hobbs. Is a solid match, but like I've seen better matches out of both men. Nothing really to write home about. I don't. I don't know that. Uh, I I think Orange Cassidy has um, such a unique style. Yeah, I don't think everybody meshes with it well. And I think that's uh, that's what we saw this here. Prime example. All right. Well. On to EFED news. So, as many of you know, last week we announced the EFED Elite Invitational Tournament. Uh, it, we originally invited 64 uh, people. Uh, we knew very well going into it that we likely weren't going to get everybody to agree just due to, you know, life circumstances, um, people with commitments and other EFEDs, um, some other bullshit excuses. Um... <laughs> uh, so we, we kind of hoped to get 32 uh, as it stands 31 have accepted uh, we will announce some of those names here in a little bit But um, so this is going to be a combination of over the various weeks like we said there's a panel of 5 judges they are anonymous they don't even know who each other are outside of the head judge he knows who all they are to keep it fair, to keep the ability to not manipulate judges and or to, you know, hobnob with them. Uh, it, it makes it fair for everyone, and that's something that Brian and I, who are both competing, by the way, wanted. We don't want favoritism of any kind. We have instructed the judges to be as honest and as brutally honest when it comes to everyone. Treat everybody the same. That's the only fair way to approach this. Uh, in my opinion, if you're not participating in this event, you have no stake in claiming to be one of the best in the game. It's just a Absolutely fact. Absolutely not. Just a fact. Um, this is a once-in-a-lifetime type of event, and I assume it's going to be a success. I don't know about you, buddy, but um, you know anything I, that I put my hands on seems to turn to gold. Um... <laughs> you know, I, I've talked to several people that uh, have already uh have heard about the tournament uh some of the people who have already signed on to be a part of this tournament and one thing that everybody that has uh that has uh, accepted our invitation seems to uh be on the same page about is this is going to be a it's, fucking amazing it's, uh, event so the single biggest response that i got not just from the yeses but like even some of the noes just because you know, everybody has their real lives and they're busy and whatnot, but um, they see it as a benefit to the community. They see events like this as being a benefit, and it's it's also beneficial because it's not company-specific. I think far too often, too many promoters, too many talents get a little too in their feelings, a little too brand-loyal. We're not loyal to any brand here. We, we'll criticize, if you want, next week, we'll criticize. We'll take one of our episodes and we will criticize it, just to be fair. Uh -huh. 
I'll be happy. Oh my gosh, I'll be happy to rip parts. How, how about this? Shit if you want me to. I'll pick a random HKW episode and or pay per view, and we will break it down. Oh, you want to do that? You want to do a watch along? We can do a watch along, or we can do like just you know watch it and come back and talk about it, whichever you want. Okay. That way. You know what? You know what? Actually, actually, let's do this. You guys are out there. You're listening. Tell us which one you want to hear. What do you What do you want us to review? What do you want us to review? We will go in and on our own stuff and be as brutal about it as we can. We don't have a problem with that at all. Let us know what you want us to review. Yeah, you know we're we're we understand we're all humans. Nobody's perfect. Uh, we've criticized our own product several times, but we believe in the sake of unbiased when it comes to this. And I, I hope everybody understands that. I've got a lot of uh, questions in regards to who the judges are. I'm not going to reveal that. I, I hope everybody understands that. But assuming this is a success, um, we're looking forward to doing it next year as well. Uh, maybe with the full 64. <laughs> well, I, I I will say, Evan, it, it, I, am, I am super excited for this tournament. There is only one small disappointment that I have, and that's that um, a certain individual who I have made no secret that I would more than be happy to show him what um, a real good promo looks like. Uh, I, I was really hoping that he would be willing to uh, to join, but apparently a big yellow streak went down his tinfoil back. So that, that's too bad. But for everybody that that, that didn't turn, turn tail and run, I, I look forward to seeing you in the tournament, facing several of you, and... Uh, and seeing some fucking incredible matchups that I don't think uh, ever would have gotten to take place without this tournament. Exactly. So. There's, there's, this is literally worlds colliding. Like some of you faced off with each other before. Some of you have been distant fans and have never had the opportunity. Quite frankly, I, there's tons of these matchups that I'm salivating at. Um, so basically, before we read this this list off, um, so. There's going to be two matches per week. Um, this will allow me and Brian to call the matches here on the podcast. And this is... We're going to call the matches as we see the results. The results will be given to us. We have no say in the results. We will call a match based on that. And once we get to the final four, the semifinals, we will then build custom wrestling uh, fit, um, characters and create a video production of that. That way, it's something you can truly enjoy. It's, you know, a little more less laborious than we originally wanted, uh, but I think that'll work out to everybody's advantage in terms of what's enjoyable. Um, but, yeah, um, you ready for the list, buddy? I, I'm ready. Let's let's hear it, man. Let's hear some of those names, all big names in EFED. Here we go. Alrighty, We've got the Axiom, the Anarchist, Rob Roman. We've got my good friend, T-Money. Incredible talent, T-Money. Uh, yeah, we've got Dollface. Uh, I've never had the pleasure of working with her. I, we've been in the same company a couple times, but uh, I'm excited at the potential opportunity for this myself. Uh, Dollface, Dollface is one I've heard a ton about. Um, I've, I've also never gotten to work with, with her. And so that's, that's one that I'm personally looking forward to, uh, to possibly getting to go up against here. Yeah. Uh, uh, next up we have 
the tyrant Oliver Titan. Such, uh, Oliver Titan, uh, a true up and comer. I, I, I think he's great. Uh, awesome. Uh, one that I'm personally looking forward to, uh, Dylan Mason. Oh. The sublime uh, one. I, I would have to say Dylan Mason, he might be in the, uh, the upper echelon here. Uh, as, extraordinarily talented guy. As I said last week, him and Rob Roman are two of my top five currently going in the game and might be, you know, two of the best that have ever done it. Like, excluding myself and you and, like, you know, any any potential bias. Like, just in terms of, like, when I watch their promos, I watch from start to finish. I have never missed a single promo that they've done that they've tagged me in. That's, that tells me, as a watcher and as a fan, these guys are draws. These guys are players. They are talents beyond par. And I'm looking forward to potentially seeing them work with us, work against us, uh, fight us, or face each other. It could happen. What? I'd love to. I would love to face. Uh, I'd love to face Dylan Mason. I'd love to face Rob. Brother. Let's keep going. Let's Alrighty. Keep going. Uh, I know you're big fans of them, and I'm big fans of them too. Both halves of ass to mouth, Hot Rod Allen and Robbie Cutthroat. Man, I okay. I would love to see. I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited that they're going to be here. Love to wrestle against either of them. What What happens if they end up wrestling each other? I don't know. Maybe we'll have to ask them. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, the Advocate, Fox Marsh. Uh, truly one of the newest comers to the scene that I've seen. Um, my first interaction with him was actually in a video chat where I hopped on on an accident. and He made a comment and I told him he looked like uh, Morty from Rick and Morty if he was made into real life. And he laughed about it. It was pretty good. He's a good sport. And uh, truly I'm a fan oh, of his geez. work. Oh jeez, Rick. <laughs> no, Fo- Fox oh, is a hell of a talent, and uh, yeah, just excited to to work with him and to watch see how far he goes. Um, next up, Amelia Aris, um, my first opponent in PWR, and um, honestly, probably one of the best women to ever do this, and one of the very best to ever do it. Period, regardless of gender. Um, oh, she's fantastic. I, I I've enjoyed watching her quite a bit, and. Uh, that that's another. I, I, if I had to pick uh, top of my list for people that that I would be looking forward to to possibly facing, she might be right up at the top. Yeah, uh, it was a pleasure to work with her in PWR. We still bicker back and forth because that's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then we have the cryptic one, uh, Kurt Brooks. A lot of you may know him. Uh, he's a former PWR world champion, former UWO champion. Uh, had a pretty impressive undefeated streak within those uh, feds. Uh, yeah, he's just uh, he's a tremendous talent, and I'm excited to see how far he goes. Uh, he's another one that's at the top of my list of people that I want to face. Um, next up, we've got Casey Moran, um, another tremendous talent. I, I've seen him in a few places like OEW. I uh, encountered him in FTW, and he seems really excited about this. He's the world heavyweight champion over there in FTW, and yeah, it's just... It's really interesting to see these guys who don't normally run in the same circles. They could potentially butt heads. Like, uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm just uh, I'm looking forward to it. Next up, we've got Triple C, Colton Christ Clark. Uh, Triple C came into HKW towards the end of our run. Uh, we had some big plans for him. Uh, unfortunately, you know, with us closing, we weren't able to 
to really truly realize those, but tremendous promo artist. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Honestly, like, there's one particular matchup that I want to see him have, and I can't wait oh. to see if it happens. What is, what, which one, what's, that? what's that? Well, it'll be our next contestant, Toa the Warrior versus Colton Clark. Oh! That's... Man, you know I'm a huge Toa fan. That, for me... Like, I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but, like, that, for me, that's a dream match. Like, perfectly honest, as a fan of both gentlemen, sign me the fuck up. Here's my credit card. Sign me the fuck up. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I'm... I... I'm a big fan of Colton Clark. I, I was really disappointed that we didn't get to see him do more in HKW, but I've seen him perform all over the place. He's always, always brings his A game. And Toa, as far as characters go, Toa to me is one of the more unique characters in Ethan. I love, I love a Toa promo. I love a Toa match. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Sign me up for that, too. I'll sit right next to you. We'll, we'll get some Now, some uh, some here's one that'll, that'll shock some of the audience, and I know you're a big fan of this, Brian, this person, Brian, uh, and I am, too. Uh, Crimson Wolf. Oh, yeah. Crimson Wolf and Dylan Mason have a lot of history, both as foes and friends. Potential you know, rematch there, potential new matchups against other people. Um, like I said, this is just part of the list. Um, as we wind down... We have Mr. 187, the PWR World Heavyweight Champion, Big Homie. Uh, you know, I clown him a lot, but without a doubt, he's very talented. I can't say that, say that enough, stress that enough. I'm excited and honored that all of these people are participating in the tournament. Uh, I've, I've only had one match with him. Uh, it was a little interfered with, but we'll, we'll get to that later. <laughs> Um, and then last but not least, the flawless one, Ruby Knight. Oh, yes. Ruby Knight has signed up to be in the tournament. That is great news. I've had the pleasure of... talented. I've had the pleasure of working uh, a match with Ruby before, and one of the most talented people out there. Uh, I'm excited to see how far that they will go. Um, I think you two will have a pretty good match if that happens. I could see that. I could see that being being a lot of fun. And honestly, well, part of what's fun for me about this is everybody in this tournament I know going in is going to bring it. They're, they're going to be bringing their A game. They have an A game to bring. Um, you know, I like to talk a lot of shit, but I'll be 100% honest going in here. It's going uh, to be a hard road for anyone to make it all the way to the finals of this thing. It's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, I, I think we're going to see a lot of really fun matchups. I can't, I personally can't wait to face off against uh, everybody I get the chance to. So Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, statistically speaking, Brian and I both know that the odds aren't in our favor. We're going to give it our damnedest to try. There's no bias, and we're looking forward to it. We can cut loose. That's right. Don't go easy on us. We won't be going easy on any of you. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, moving on this week, uh, I faced Lenore Lynn for the PCW World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, and she beat 
you. That was incredible. I'm so happy. For... Wait, that's not what That's happened. not what happened at all. That's not what happened. You must be one of those Chris Chaos fans that didn't graduate the American education system like they should have, right? Little no, I had chaos math. I, 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 I stopped watching halfway through and started drinking. So I just assumed <laughs> that that Lenore was victorious. No, no, no. Uh, you must have been drinking lead paint chips. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, Lenore, this match elevated her. I felt like um, Lenore's never really had the opportunity at a world heavyweight championship. That you know, she earned it and. She brought her A-game. Uh, that said, I'm excited to see where Lenore grows and her future. You know, I can't really stress that enough. That's something that in Storyline Feds that I don't think people get props enough for is the work they do and then the work that they, they go into building off of that. And I think that with this experience, she's ready to, you know, face Titan, to face Scotty Lionheart, to face Cameron, you know, whoever. I think this has definitely helped her elevate her game. I, I keep I keep uh, watching Lenore Len. It's just one of those constantly improving uh, talents out there. Uh, really, w- one thing I really appreciate about Lenore is she's the kind of person who will go back and study um, what has already been done to try and to try and work on that and improve and to come back a little bit better every time and i i think that is uh, a really admirable trait so. yeah definitely um and then as you know uh chris chaos and i go one-on-one inside hell in a cell at the halloween special uh i'm looking forward to that chris learned how to do math it was incorrect math but i'm proud of him that he tried um you know those lead paint chips must be really 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 tasty but alas he tried to Steiner promo me. <laughs> uh, all kidding aside, Chris did a good job on that. Um, that was pretty funny, actually. Uh, as many of you know, this is the uh, hell in a cell. It's going to be brutal, and I'm going to come out victorious. It's just a matter of time. I'm going to have Chris Chaos's contract in the back of my pocket. And then I, I just we were talking about math real quick. Um, I was just question: What's one minus one? Zero. So, if we translate that to a story problem, if, if Evan has one championship when he goes in to the Hell in a Cell match, and then Evan loses one championship how many championships does evan have left the answer is zero christopher chaos has been on a roll as you well know over the last month he has put down boy after boy of yours and i think i think there's a little i think there might be a little bullshit coming up out of you here buddy i love you to death but i think you may have bitten off more than you can chew this time and come the Halloween episode, I'm I'm just saying, you have pissed off a raging bull, and you're about to be locked inside a cell with him. I'm not saying you don't have talent. I'm not saying you aren't one of the best out there. I'm saying, I don't think it was necessarily the smartest move you've ever made to piss off Chris Chaos to the level that you've pissed him off. 
Oh, you think you think I pissed him off? Wait until you see what happens before the hell in a song. You'll you'll notice where I'm going. It'll look very familiar to you. Back of a Volkswagen? No, that's how you were conceived. That's not how I was conceived. I don't know. I don't know where you got a Volkswagen from. Anyways, moving on to PWR. It's a very uncomfortable place. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving on to PWR. Um. My match with Hot Rod was a double DQ. Uh, we had some interference between first class and ass to mouth. You know, it's to be expected with faction wars, this thing to happen. But just once, just once, if everybody could stay the fuck out of my business, that'd be great. Uh, no, 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 more ass to mouth, more ATM. That's what we need in this world. That's what we need in wrestling in general. Do you know they're in the EFED Elite uh, Invitational Tournament, by the way? I, I, I do know. I'm, I'm the one that, that signed them. Yeah, I know. And that's why you, you should be happy that they came down. They, 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 they said hi. <laughs> uh, this week in PWR, we have a 30-man rumble. Uh, third place, second place, and first place all receiving potential championship opportunities. First place getting the world championship. Uh, number one contendership. Um, I'm in that match. Uh, yeah, I'm just... I'm on a roll there, and I'm not going to stop. First class all the way, baby. Uh, moving on. I debuted in FTW this past week against Vincenzo Casano. So, afterwards, we realized that he had been cutting promos on me, and I, I don't know if he was tagging me. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, thanks, Facebook. Fuckerberg. Maybe, maybe uh, somehow uh, you were both locked up in a Facebook jail for, um, you know, posting a gif of a donut or something like that. That sounds like what Mark Zuckerberg would do. That that sounds like the kind of shit you'd get thrown into Facebook jail for. It's Only so Krispy Kreme donuts. Well, Chris is in fucking Facebook Alcatraz. Are you kidding me? He's <laughs> he says something wrong. He goes to the Rock. He's we don't ever hear from him again. That is true. All right. Um, speaking on a future segment, uh, we're looking at an. E-Fetter of the Week Spotlight. We're not going to do it this week. It's something that Brian and I have discussed. But over the next couple weeks, we'll be uh, introducing this segment. I wanted to, to share this with the world. But we're going to go out there and each find an E-Fetter that we truly feel is, you know, separating themselves from the pack, that are entertaining, and that truly, truly exemplify what, what, a, what a good E-Fetter is. Which means if you have somebody that you want us to take a look at, go ahead and drop us a line. Don't say it about yourself. If you're trying to put yourself over, that's not going to get anywhere with us. But if there's somebody who you've been noticing has been putting forth uh, some uh, amazing promo work, has been had some amazing character work, you know, let us know. We'll be happy to take a look at them. That's for sure. All right. Um, before we get to our topics for this week, a message from our sponsors.
I was, I was not performing up to the expectations of my lady. How long? I wasn't living up to the the madman inside that she knew I could be. And then I found my savior in Force Chew. In Force Chew. It turned me from a Michael Miner to a King Dominator. Make sure to pick up your Enforce Chew today at EnforceChew.com and use the code Standards of Greatness so you can get 20% off your next order of Enforce Chew. Be an enforcer in the streets and a madman in the sheets. Alrighty. Um, I don't know where they hired the southern accent, accent guy, but uh, we might have to talk to him about some character work. Was that Marcus Scorpio? Was that Marcus Scorpio over there? <laughs> I don't I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what happened to him. It was a bright flash of light or something. I don't know. Heard he's trapped in a parallel dimension, screaming insanities. I heard I heard he's uh he's got an endless bottle of orange juice somewhere in limbo. And anyways, our topics for the week. Uh, booking the do's and don'ts and growing an audience and a fan base. Um, so, uh, booking, um, in terms of booking your show, it could be from a, you know, week to week basis, month to month, you know, months or even a year. Um, the most important part of your, your show and constructing it, think about what your draw is. Think about like what your audience actually is coming to see. That should be probably the focus of your main event. Now, it doesn't always have to be. Sometimes it's good to kind of move pieces around, um, you know, have that main event type match in the beginning, draw them in. Uh, ultimately, you want to avoid the pit traps of being predictable. That's a don't. Um, with your dues, tag team wrestling in terms of efeds is very tricky. But. It should be used sparingly, whether it's a, a four-man, a six-man, an eight-man. You know, um, it's one of those things where book accordingly, book smartly, but don't book yourself into a corner. In terms of booking, like, we're just going to talk about booking do's and don'ts. Talk about being predictable. I think there's one thing that's more predictable when it comes to booking than anything else, and that is 50-50 booking. I don't even know if, you know, and that's a term that I don't know if everybody understands what 50-50 booking is, so I'm just going to really clearly uh, depict this. If I am doing a feud with Evan, if Evan and I are wrestling, week one, I come out, I pin Evan. Yay, I went over. Week two, Evan comes out and he pins me. Evan goes over, yay, and thus nobody has the perceived advantage over the other one. But why would that be interesting? That's not interesting. I don't know who who in the world ever came up with this idea that that is inherently interesting. If it's done sparingly, it can be, but the second you make it the norm, it's not. Especially when you can do other things like if Evan is the heel and I'm the babyface, 
Evan can continuously win by cheating. Different manners every week. One week brass knucks, another on the ropes. You know, lets it be different. You know, and the thing is, is when it comes to, to booking feuds, you can still have the heel win two out of the three, but the most important match, the babyface should always win. Unless you have a larger plan. And when we say larger plan, this is where you get your actual heel championship runs. And that's not to say that having a long-term heel champion is a bad thing. It can actually be a very, very good thing. But you have to understand, and this is really the case no matter whether you're, you're talking about a baby face or a heel, a championship is run is going to come to an end. When you have a heel champion, you should kind of have an idea where that's going to come to an end going in. That way you can start the hero's journey way the fuck back here and start building it up so that finally when you get to that that end point, that climax point, your hero has come on this long journey that's lasted possibly longer than that heel was even champion. Mm-hmm. That is very true. Um, you know, it's one of those things with the 50-50 booking. A lot of people know it from WWE. It's kind of the WWE hallmark these days. It wasn't always the case. Vince didn't always book 50-50 back in the day. You'd see dominant heels. You'd see dominant baby faces. Hell, I don't think Hulk Hogan lost for years. Unless it was like disqualification losses. I mean, Andre the Giant didn't lose for years. Unless it was disqualification losses. But those don't count. Well, I think a lot of that goes back into part of the discussion we were having last week about, about jobbers. You know, we back in, especially in the 80s, 70s and 80s, they had very designated jobber positions, so it was a lot easier for guys like Hulk Hogan, the Ultimate Warrior, Andre the Giant, to, get over. to go on these long, undefeated uh, runs and be perceived as that much more dominant when they finally came into contact with one another. Yeah, and that, I think that, that paid dividends, especially when it came to WrestleMania three. All that time oh, from when Hulkamania's birth, they were also building Andre back. You know, Andre was a, the main guy before that, but never was the champion. He was just the attraction. But during that time, they were building Andre back up, and all of it led to that resentment moment where he showed up with Heenan on the Piper's Pit. And, you know, the rest is history. Um, it's truly exciting to watch those kind of things fold out. But you also when it comes to booking, should take into consideration the limitations of your talent. No two talents are going to be exactly alike. No one's, you know, not everybody's going to be a Rob Roman, a Dylan Mason, a Brian Mead, Evan Jones, a Jay Fatal, a, a main, a Corey Hack, a main eventer, a, you know, those calibers. But you can still use that type of talent to help elevate others without sacrificing others in the long run. You know, uh, I think far too often in EFEDs, and this is across the board, we even did a little bit of this uh, ourselves, unfortunately, where we become so fixated on some of our end goals that we don't see the short-sightedness of it sometime. Oh, yeah. And you end up accidentally booking yourself into a corner. And it's a lesson we, we learned from the hard way, 
uh, you know, fortunately we ended up being able to, to work that back out with that talent and they came back and whatnot. And it's important to be able to reflect on those kind of things and learn from your mistakes. And that is something here on the podcast we're going to stress a lot over and over again. Be willing to question yourself, be willing to, to learn from your mistakes and be willing to make changes. You know, you, you can't succeed without failing and you're going to fail more than you succeed. End of the day, you know, you're going to make the right decisions for your company, but do what's best for you as well. You know, um, you talk about acknowledging your own failings. I think that can be hard for people. It is. Uh, I, what I like to, the analogy I really like to use with people, I saw this guy once, he was sitting there, he's playing solitaire, he had his deck of cards, he's sitting there playing solitaire, and that, he hits the point where he lost. He lost his game. And I watched him move around some cards and and cheat, essentially, so that the game would still be going. And he could keep playing and, and he could win. And I've always thought of that because it's a game of solitaire. You're playing with yourself. You're only cheating yourself. If you If you choose to do that, you're... You're doing nothing but cheating yourself. And when you do have a show, whether and it really doesn't matter, there's going to be successes and failures in, in everything that we do. In every show that you do, there's going to be highs and lows. If you can be honest with yourself about your shortcomings, about what you could have done better, that's how you're going to improve for the future. It's the, it's the people who sit there and say that they have no shortcomings, that they're perfect, those are the biggest jokes in the world to me. Mm-hmm. Because if you if you just sit there and say that you're nothing but great, and you can't acknowledge where you need to work on, where you need to improve, then you'll never be great. Because you'll never be able to overcome your own bias your own shortcomings yeah and that's far too often that that happens and that speaks a lot to human psychology uh it is the mind's mm-hmm. natural instinct to protect itself even from imperfections that it creates so that's why you see people cheat at solitaire that's why you see people cheat at like poker and like you know other games you know that you know they can uh it's ultimately because we as humans are fragile and we sometimes can't accept our limitations and, you know, overcoming that is a huge burden, a huge burden. Um, I did professional gaming for a while and it, it took me a long time to mm-hmm. really learn to question, why did I lose? What did I do wrong? What can I learn from? Sometimes it's uh, it's about going to people that are better than you and asking for advice. You know, and that, that's something that I stress to a lot of people. My inbox is always open, whether you need life advice or you need promo advice or just character advice. Hit me up. Uh, I might not get back to you right away, but eventually I will. Um, I've been at this long enough that I feel like I have enough experience. You know, I'm... You uh, you brought up the, the gaming thing. I, okay, so let, let's do a little history. People don't necessarily know how you and I met. Evan and I actually didn't didn't meet uh, doing anything involving wrestling at all. We actually met uh, when when both him and I used to actively uh, competitively game, uh, playing cards, 
And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing this up, actually, because of one specific day. Um, yeah, I, 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 hear you la- I hear you laughing over there. You know already what day I'm, I'm talking about. But um, Evan and I, we both had our, our, our decks, and we were, we were practicing against each other. And Evan proceeded to beat me 17, that's one, seven, 17 games straight. Um, that's humbling. That's humiliating. You get your ass kicked 17 times in a row. That, you, 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 you go back home and question life. And, and I, and believe me, I did. But, We've also, you know, talked about it, and I never lost that way ever again. Well, that's the thing. I, you know, I, I went into tournaments, real real tournaments, where, you know, prizes were on the line and things, and I never lost that way again because I had to go back and I had to learn from my loss. I had to learn from my mistakes. Well, you also asked, you asked the questions that you needed to ask to learn. Like, you were willing to, to ask, you asked me point blank, where did I go wrong in this game? Because it was one of the games where you thought you had an advantage, and I was like, no, you didn't have the advantage. It's just, you know, you had one key turn where you could have done something slightly different to put yourself in a slightly more advantageous way. And I think that's, you know, whether it's promo battling or e-fighting, that lesson's very applicable. Talk to people. Mm-hmm. Learn from people. Pick people's brain. That's that's how the real wrestling business works. E-fight can work like that, too, if you really let it. And if you have the uh, idea that um, you have nothing to learn, then retire. Up, you're the biggest. You're, you're the biggest joke out there. No, just, just retire at that point. Every everybody everybody has something to learn, and I and this is one of those times where I'm gonna kind of bring up some of my, uh, you know, yeah. I, I've been in those locker rooms. I've been talking to some of those guys. I I have guys that I've talked to who are legit Hall of Fame legends. And they still learn from each other. It can be something as... I remember um, just something as simple as uh, Sabu. I remember one day taught me to stand a different way when taking uh, a photograph with with a fan. Mm-hmm. It's body language. Just, just the this a slight turn of the hips changed the entire dynamic of the picture, and it's something that um, when you have been doing it for a long time and you have that kind of experience, you can offer those minute changes that will have drastic outcomes. If you are so closed-minded that you think that you know it all you're never going to be able to get that feedback and capitalize on it. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's, that's the things that you, know, you always want to make sure it's a good source too. You know, if it's, if you're getting advice from somebody that thinks they don't have anything to learn, you're not being taught everything you should be. That's a person Absolutely. who's, that's a person who's going to, you know, blow smoke up your ass and tell you how great they are. And then when they face you, they'll, you know, still try to beat you using, you know, not nefarious means, but like basically they're gonna they're gonna try to work it in a way to where they know your strengths and weaknesses, so you know, not saying don't don't ask anyone for advice, but like make sure your source is reliable too. I mean, and that's something that goes, you know, again, right back to the real industry. I mean, it, it's uh 
it's well well documented how people were getting into Goldberg's head when he first came to WCW and was on his winning streak and the people he you know perceived should or shouldn't be talking to Brock Lesnar had a lot of the same experiences the rock said that he had a lot of the same experiences so the Dudleys you know this is uh, something that's that's common out there so yeah. look out guys <laughs> All right, well, uh, moving on to our next topic, uh, growing an audience and fan base. Uh, well, buddy, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> growing an audience and a fan base is something that I think is uh, crucially important for e-fetting that is completely underutilized, underdone, and really not really understood. And I, th- I think the real thing here is, is because with e-fed specifically, it is so uh, honed in on being for you know what the promoter wants to see and what uh, the promoter believes that the other e-fetters want to see and instead of doing that they I think they get away from really putting on a show for the fans mm-hmm. instead of instead of putting on a show for you put on a show that you legitimately believe that people would want to sit down and watch for a half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour. Every time that, um, that we would, that we would do an HKW show, I, you know, I remember I would come and after I would record the commentary and the matches, I would come and I would sit down with, with you and Chris and I would, I would say this was a good show or this was a bad, you know, I really didn't, I really wasn't feeling this show. Yeah, you you would you would tell us you weren't happy with particular matches, and that goes back to feedback. Also, like you know, everybody, even you, had things to learn, and like what what we liked, what other people said they liked. Like you know, it's an mm-hmm. interchangeable process. And and there were times when I think I was being a little harder on myself, you know, just as like the creator. And I think uh, whenever creator. you are a creator, you are going to be a little bit more hard on yourself and that you know and, and then promo if you're if and i i mean that if you're an e-fetter and you're doing promos you're creating those promos so you're going to be a little bit harder on your on your own promo work too than you would necessarily like your friends um but the i guess what, what i'm what i'm getting at with this is that you you take those moments where you don't believe that you've put out the best product that you could and you go okay well what can i improve on what can i make better about it and you retool that and what that's going to do is you're really just trying to refine something for an audience um and that's so that you're going to get them to you're going to get that retention you're going to get them to come back but it goes really beyond that too I mean, if you really want to be successful about growing an audience, and it, it correlates directly with growing a brand. Um, and this this is, you know, in terms of social media, I know you're, Evan, I know you're huge with social media. Um, just since we've started doing this podcast, you know, we've got the Facebook group. You started the TikTok. We've got an Instagram. The, every time the uh, Twitter... We have a Reddit We're constantly too. trying a Reddit. We're constantly trying to grow on every platform 
and trying to stay consistent. You and I, we record this show every week on on Wednesday so we can make sure it's going out consistently every week on Thursday. We want you guys to know when you can when you're going to be able to hear the Stand as Greatness podcast every week. Mm-hmm. It's about all about reliability. And in, in terms of social media, it's like it touches back what we talked about social media and marketing last week. That brand that you're building is how you connect to your audience. Your audience's expectations of the brand are what you grow. You know, you need to be sharing on every social media platform. You're never going to see mm-hmm. the true fruits of it. HKW, I, I don't remember the exact number of subscribers we have. I think it was in the 380s before we shut down. Um, but we, 360s. 360s. 363. Yeah. Um, you know, that was one of the higher efeds for a while. Um, but we also, our Facebook presence was also huge. Like, we were averaging 2,000 views for our weekly shows and almost 5,000 on some of our, our pay-per-views. Like, that is a huge following. Like, tap your resources and tap them correctly, but also do it strategically. Don't just spam and be share buttoning all the time. You know, I share the shit out of a lot of stuff, but, like, do it with a purpose. Do it to grow your brand. And I, there's one thing I really want to speak on in terms of audience and fan base. A lot of people attribute um, view the number of views total into how, <laughs> how, many, how successful a show is. That's the literal weakest. It matters to a point because that's, that's how you can get monetization if you really want to go that route. Your audience retention rate, that percentage... That amount of time, that is the key ingredient to knowing if your brand's successful. I think, if I remember correctly, our average audience count is 31 minutes per show out of like an hour, hour and a half on average. Well, okay, so when it comes to audience retention counts, if I'm just being honest, when you're talking about YouTube analytics, which, by the way, if you're doing your show on YouTube, you need to download the YouTube Manager app you need to be looking at your video analytics. And I recommend looking at them at a couple of different points. Um, I would look at them pretty much, uh, give it like two hours after your show wraps up. That'll give you just kind of a baseline point to see how many people were watching it live while it was active. Um, It's not really fair necessarily to go uh, off of the numbers the second the show ends because there's going to be people who are, you know, stragglers, haven't finished watching it, you're not going to get full uh, recap. You're not going to be able to view how much time they've been watching it. Mm-hmm. And then there's some uh, of the analytics that won't be able to uh, be tallied until up to 20, uh, 48 hours after um, the show. So that would be the second time that I would go and take a look at those. Yeah. And, these, and why I say this, uh, and then the third time probably after a week, but the reason I say this is because as uh, the week goes by, a couple of different things are going to happen. For starters, your overall view numbers are going to go up. Like, that's, they can't go down. Like you can't have less views on Tuesday than you had on Monday. Technically, that is true. <laughs> okay, so that's going to go up. Also, um, just as a, uh, you know, being realistic about it, your viewer retention is going to go down. So I think it's a really good idea for as far as your viewer retention when you're trying to 
really figure out that number, I would go after the, the 48 hours That's to really mm-hmm. uh, judge my viewer retention because that's when people are watching it for the first time and they're watching it all the way through and they're being, and you're actually retaining them. When you're getting that number later on after a week or so, that's the point where you're having people go back and go, oh my God, did you see what you know happened in this match? Did you see what they said in this promo, whatever? And you'll notice spikes on you know where people were watching the show, and you can see like this moment or this moment got a, a big reaction and had people coming back and watching it over and over. And where you want to utilize that then is you go, okay, well, Evan did this promo, and everybody came back and watched Evan's promo, you know, several times over the course of the week and that has this really high spot that people kept kept watching this one spot of the match or one spot of the show utilize that then like that's that's that is what showing you in numbers in in graphs in in tangible evidence what your draw it what your draws are so you take that and then you use that more Mm -hmm. double down on the things that are a draw for you and you will bring in more viewers you will retain more viewers that's, that's how that works that that's very true and like that'll also help you predict future draws as well like let's uh-huh. say i'm i'm in that segment that's really high but then there's two not like vastly smaller but they're two like decently smaller but still higher than the rest of the show look at what's going on at those points in the show that'll tell you who your popular stars are that your future stars can be. And those, mm-hmm. in my opinion, are who you want to invest in. Well, and for YouTube, it's kind of interesting. Excuse me. It's kind of interesting because you almost want to go backwards with it. Um, where if, like, I have... Uh, uh, I'm going to use... Uh, let's say I, I want Lenore Len. Uh, I want to get Lenore Len more over and stuff. If I know already know that you are a draw, that you're bringing in people uh and that's where my high point is i'm gonna put her right after your match so that i'm taking those viewers from watching you and keeping them into watching her that and then that better you pair her with me or whoever it is yes yes that's another way you could do it um there's several strategies you can use but it's really really something that i don't think a lot of promoters and e-fighters understand and then uh, the the last big thing that I think you re- like everybody everybody across the board needs to be doing a better job at this, especially right now when I I can't believe how little of this I see. Guys, let us know what the fuck your matches are. If you're gonna have matches, if you're gonna have title matches, you're gonna have pay per views. Put out a card that's visible to me so I can see that that Steve is fighting Tom. I I don't know what I would even be coming to 90% of your shows to see at this point because you don't advertise it. Well, that's the thing. It's like, it's like a program. When you go to an event, like a football game or like a hockey game, there's going to be a program. It's going to lay out the players. It's going to lay out... The coaches, the history, you know, between the schools or between the the teams, um, you know, think of it that way. Like it's advertising within the, the the small scape of your what you're doing. But like, if you've got a big card coming out, 
share it to your fed, but not only that, share it to all the other feds that you know that you're, you know, friendly with, and they'll help share it. Um, there's also a ton of wrestling Facebook groups, Reddit groups, Twitters, uh, boards and whatnot, and feeds. Share it mm-hmm. there. You know, share it on YouTube, TikTok. Sky's the share cl- Yeah, share clips of your matches on TikTok or on Instagram with yep. links leading back to your, you know, whatever page you like to put your main show on. And guys, we, we've brought it up a couple of times. I really encourage a lot of you guys. I'm not saying to abandon YouTube, but utilize Facebook. Uh, the honest to God, the numbers that HKW was able to pull overnight, the the change it, between our YouTube well, numbers and our Facebook numbers were enormous. Well, and the you thing you can do the same thing. The thing is, is I'll tell them how we ended up coming to that conclusion. Was, you know, I I like I said before, I do a lot of social media marketing and like e-commerce work. Um, I started reading a lot of case studies about like where the biggest audiences were in terms of gaming. It was just like a case study involving gaming and I started seeing the data all pointing towards Facebook and I was like, huh? And then I started thinking about it and I, I was like, I brought Brian the case study and I was like, Hey, what do you think of this? Brian's like, hmm, let's give this a shot. We gave it a shot and it exploded like literally fucking exploded. And like, not only that, but like promo started exploding with views. Mm-hmm. Like I, last time I went and checked, one of my promos, one of the last ones before we closed, was at like six k views, and like the retention mm-hmm. rate on it, because I can see it with the Wrestling God page, was like, you know, it was I think a, a four minute promo, and I think I had a two point eight, uh, two point five eight uh, retention rate on that. That means I'm doing pretty I good. Wanna, I want to say that cause we did. I know we looked at it for the uh, the ride or die. Chris Chaos uh, retirement one wasn't that one around eight thousand um, mm. views? I want to say. Uh, I think that was close to the seven k views. Uh, I could be mistaken. I double checked that number. Uh, I can. Regardless, like that's that's a ridiculously large uh, amount of views influence that you're able to put out there to the world. That that's gonna that drastically dwarfs any uh, any of the roster sizes for any event. Mm-hmm. And like anybody can do that if you're putting out a decent enough product, you know. If if you have commentary, that's the key. Feds that don't do commentary, Com- people aren't gonna well, stick commentary, around. If you're not commentary, is your narrative. That is how you're telling your audience what is important. If you don't have commentary you're just if i come to your show and you don't have commentary i leave it's literally just two guys fighting i can't tell what's going on it means nothing to me yeah literally like the most interesting storyline in the world but without context it means nothing exactly like you know no offense i know a lot of people put a lot of hard work into stuff i get tagged in some things if you don't have commentary i'm not going to waste my time because you don't have enough if you you expect me to watch your product and you don't bother to put the time into putting commentary then don't expect me to watch it. Watch if you don't care enough about your product, why should I? And and your pro- if you're putting out a product, guys, it should always be something that you are interested in watching. Some of my, you know, I'm willing to knock HKW, but I'll also pat myself on the back. There's a couple of shows 
years old now that I've gone back and I, I just enjoy sitting down and watching them start to finish. Yeah. And that's when I, those are the shows that I really believe that I did a good job on or we did a good job on because they're, they're a complete thing that you can go and get entertainment value mm-hmm. in watching, not just watching it because you're a competitor and this is your match this week. Well, that's a, also like talent. Share the product. Oh my gosh, like, yes. So the, the saying goes is if your friend has a small business, you know, give them a like, give them a sub, give them a share. If you are doing this, if you're putting out the, the work for your promos, create a fan page, catalog all your stuff. Or if you don't want to do that, some people are a little embarrassed about sharing, being involved in eFeds and whatnot, stigmas, you know, etc. Um, just share the link to the YouTube or to the Facebook page share it to your story share it to like a group or two that you're in be like hey i'm in this you guys should check this out you'd be surprised you know teamwork makes the dream work and i think if everybody kind of bought a little more into that there'd be a lot more a lot more harmony within the efed community and a lot less toxicity and 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 seriously guys no matter what efed you're a part of you want if you want to be a star well, that, that requires having people watch you. And uh, if you want people to watch you, they got to know where to watch you. Share share your own shit. Mm-hmm. Share your own shows. It's it's only helping yourself. Yep. And it will pay dividends in the future. Alrighty. Alright. The question of the week last week. Um, we both discussed our answers last week on the air. Uh, if you could change one thing in wrestling history, what would it be? We saw a variety of of answers from uh, people talking about Chris Benoit incident, like you talked about, Brian. Uh, Owen Hart's accident. Uh, some people mentioned Katie Vick, that whole cringy moment, because it just disturbed them. Uh, somebody mentioned the hand. Uh, the gobbledygooker, the repo man. <laughs> uh, Would you rather have had The Undertaker come out of that egg like was originally planned? Let's stick with the gobbledygooker. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, the one that really struck a chord with me, and, and and this is, you know, Eddie Guerrero was also mentioned, but the one that struck a chord with me was the Miss Elizabeth overdose. Like, it's not um, wrestling history per se, but she was part of wrestling history. And, you know, it's tragic. Um... There's a the lot. story of the story of Miss Elizabeth is one that I find to be one of the most interesting, honestly, in in professional wrestling in general, from you know her her relationship with Randy Savage to her separation from Randy. Lex Luger I mean, coming to WCW, the, everything with the drugs and Lex Luger, and I mean. It's a, it's a tragic story, absolutely. Um, but a fascinating one at the same time. And, um, and I mean, you could literally point at any of the, the dark side of the ring incidences as well. Brian Pillman's uh, death. Um, the Brawl for All was another one that was mentioned. Oh my gosh. I wish we could undo the brawl for all. Gino Hernandez being killed. Gino Bravo. You know, tons of these moments that Brody Lee. Or not Brody. Yeah, Brody Lee. If we could change that, we would too. Um, uh, Bruiser I, Brody. 
uh, being stabbed in Puerto Rico. Like, you know, that happened a few weeks before I was born, if I remember correctly, or a few months. Uh, there's so much wrapped up within wrestling history, and, like, it, it amazes me how many of these events stick out to each individual person. And it almost, it's like snapshots in their, in their minds, basically, that they're sharing. Well, I think everybody has different wrestlers that they uh, that they they're really influenced by. They really connect with. I mean, I know I have I have my handful that uh, mean a lot to me. Like, I, I don't know if uh, I, I'm a huge Billy Kidman fan from back in the day. I don't know how how much you connect with Billy Kidman, but he was a huge influence to me. That kind of stuff. Uh, everybody has different people they connect with, and um, yeah. that's the beauty of wrestling. Is it draws out that emotion and connection. You know, it's part of the theatrical human experience, and I don't think people will really understand that. Like, you know, I got into an, uh, an argument with my wife one time about whether or not wrestling was considered art, and you know, it's probably the one argument she'll admit that I've won. Uh, you know, it, I, I would, I would hope you have a podcast about fucking wrestling. I would hope you won that one. Yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, yeah, it's just it, wrestling is a beautiful story being told physically, and every movement, every promo, every word could change people's lives. Some people get inspired. Some people join the business. Some people leave. Like they, they, you know, they hate the bad guy so much that they like throw stuff at him like you know was it mjf got almost got stabbed one time a couple of years ago because he pissed off somebody so bad in like new jersey like if visceral reactions are human nature and it's just interesting to, to watch how people interact with uh with wrestling <laughs> Everybody's got something they connect with. Everybody's got diff uh, those different memories that they wish they could, they could change. I mean, it's the way that it is about everybody's life. We all have things about our lives we wish we could change. Everybody's got different memories in wrestling. So it's been cool to hear what uh, all those were from each and every one of you. Yeah. All right, for the question of the week this week, with the EFED Elite Invitational taking place soon, which matches are you most excited for? Um... We mentioned a few already. Uh, I know a few more of the signees. I don't want to spoil some of those. I'm pretty excited for uh, the prospect of Dylan Mason facing him and/or watching him face Rob Roman. Or um, let me pull up the list real quick. <laughs> Scrolled away from me. Um, Dylan Mason versus TCO could be interesting. Um, Hot Rod Allen versus Robbie Cutthroat. That could be interesting. Uh, one that I'm perhaps looking forward to more than anyone is the potential of Crimson Wolf versus Amelia Aris. Mm. I think that there could be a really unique story told there. I talked about uh, Colton Christ Clark versus Toa. I mean, Casey Moran versus Dollface would be really interesting to me. I would love to see uh, what would happen if T-Money went one-on-one -on -one with Rob Roman. Ooh. I think that would be oh. a, a really interesting... Uh, matchup. I know personally. I, I kind of mentioned this earlier. I would love, I would love personally to go one on one with Toa. Uh, I think I would, I would have a lot of fun with that one. Um, 
There are, I mean, this whole tournament is a, a dream match factory. So, uh, what are your guys'? I mean, yeah, we're, we know ours. <laughs> yeah, we know ours. I mean, and we know a few, you know, we'll announce the rest of the, the participants, the other 14, yeah, 14 individuals, because it's 18 with us included, um, next week. Uh, we know uh, most of those. And, yeah, there's a lot we don't want to spoil just yet. We want to have you guys come back and give us a listen and talk about what you tell us you're excited for. Um, I, for one, can't wait for this to, to happen. It's going to take place, you know, over the course of a couple months. It is designed to be a low-pressure yet high-pressure event, you know, prestige. Uh, you know, not high-pressure like, oh, I'm going to freak out and have a panic attack. No, like, high-pressure like it's, like, a high amount of prestige and, like, you know, if you win, you can go, oh, man, I, I beat some of the best of the best. I'm at the top of the game. Like, you know, to me, this yeah, is we, this is the event of all events. Want, we, we definitely want the bragging rights to be there Yeah. Uh, for this one. And and uh, like, like we said, we're going to be giving it our all. And uh, I, I can't wait to see what it looks like with so many phenomenally talented people all, uh, all going at 110%. Yeah. Alrighty, well that's going to do it for uh, us this week. Uh, we look forward to hearing your answers. Um, this has been the Wrestling God, Evan Jones. And the Alpha Angel, Brian Mead. Make sure to pick up your Enforced Chew at uh, EnforcedChew.com. Make sure to use that code, Standards of Greatness, so that you get 20% off of your next order of Enforced Chew. And until next week, good night everybody. Good night.